Hey everybody, welcome back to the Identical Draw podcast. <clears throat> We've got two awesome discussions to have today. I don't know, man, this room's pretty echoey. You're, we're going to have to, well, we'll have to do a little work, but... That chair doesn't help. But yeah, we've got a, we're going to do a little spot and stock discussion, um, kind of sticking with our September theme. And we're also going to talk about our elk hunt that we had this last year, which is fresh on our YouTube channel. Hashtag subscribe. But first, first things first, this podcast is presented by me, Nate. Um, everybody knows on this podcast, probably I'm a, I have my real estate license in Nebraska and Kansas, um, with Midwest land group and man, I've got some awesome properties coming up in on, um, on the market in Kansas. And I have some popping up in Nebraska this next month. If you're looking to buy or sell land, hit me up. You know, what I like to tell folks is even if you want to know what your land's worth. Maybe you want to sell it for sale by owner. I don't know. I will literally come to your property, tell you what I could sell it for. And if you want to take those numbers and put it on Zillow and sell it by yourself, that's fine. Honestly, I just want to help you out. I do think that usually I can get folks more more money in their pocket at the end of the day. But I'm just telling you right now, I want to help folks as much as possible because I got into this because I love land. I want to help people buy land. I want people to fulfill their dreams selling land. However, I can do that. So hit me up. If you actually want to talk to me on the phone, you need to call 402-438-0181. And I'll chat. I'll chat however long you want. So yeah, that's news to me. I thought you were all in it for the money. Nope. What I do with folks is I sit across the table from them and I say, I'd really like to know more about you. All right. Well, so. with that. Let's get into the podcast. Well, I was about to get into a story. Ooh, sorry, that well, that was. I think that was your chair. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Um, I was about to get into a story um, before I started the podcast, but I stopped myself. But. Um, <clears throat> don't judge my parenting on what I'm about to say next. Um, Hey, before you get into this podcast, can I give a real quick shout out? I want to give a shout out to Tanner Bundy. Saw Tanner Bundy this last week and I want to thank him for his service to a country. Hey, it should be said he's not related to Ted. Nope. Um, but Hey, real talk here. He, uh, it's our buddy and he just got back from about five months Five um, six. I think it was between five and six, maybe, um, from serving our country. And so, Ted, we seriously appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Like that is Tom's laughing, but that is not a joking matter. No. Seriously, we we celebrated the fourth together, and people like you create the freedom it's we have. I said he's not really <clears throat> a Ted, but we call him Ted. Yep. So, um, hey, he's a deer hunter. He loves bucks just as much as we do. And uh, I know he's a listener. All right. That's all I got to say, get into your story. Well, um, so it's it's uh, hunting related, but backyard hunting with my son. Um, he's got this um, apprentice bow is what it's called from Bear Archery. 
if you've got a, a young kid in that three to four to five year range, they'll be able to start shooting it. Um, I like it. Four to five but, to six. No. I mean, Ridge is a buff three-year-old, and he can't he can't get it back, can he? No, that's what the story is about. No. <laughs> that's why I said three. No. Um, <clears throat> so I give it to him, and like we messed around with it for a while, and then I brought it back out recently, and um, he like couldn't pull it back, so like it was barely hitting the target. Oh, I see Bare- where this is going. Barely making it to the target. Um, but sure enough, like I'm working and then I come upstairs and Ridge, Ridge is, is my son. He's telling me this epic story about how he was trying to shoot a bird out of the tree. And sure enough, dad, that arrow stuck in the tree is what he's telling me. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you couldn't make, you couldn't shoot this bow like three, four feet like the other day, like yesterday you couldn't. Have you covered his age? He's going to be four in September. Yeah. Okay. So three and three quarters. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I keep thinking my, through my head, like I'm looking like where he, like he, th- so he thinks it's up in the tree uh-huh. in our backyard. That's pretty close to the house. Like there's no way we went up there. It's probably like on the ground somewhere, yeah. like by the trunk. Can't find it. Like nowhere in the backyard. Okay. Then I'm like, okay, maybe like some chance it's up in the tree. I'm looking around, looking around, can't find it anywhere. So I pull out the ladder. I'm like, Hey, at this point, let me just check and see if it's on the roof. Like maybe this kid like pulled all the way back. Um, I get up on the roof, give Ridge strict instructions. Don't follow up the ladder. He knows it. He doesn't, he's never done it before. Um, I'm up oh, on the ladder God. looking around. I, I get up on the ladder, get up on the roof. I, I mean, we have a pretty short house. Yep. It's a range. Um, I like go by towards the front of the roof, not finding it there, not finding it on the backside. I turn around and there's Ridge staring right at me. He's kind of in the crouch position, like um, in a good um, spot on our roof in the middle of the roof. Crouched. Hey, daddy. So don't let this think like I'm a bad parent. Okay. Didn't think he was going to follow me up. Sure enough, he did. He made it up there safely. I that's wouldn't think that now. physically he could get up there. Oh yeah. I mean, he's strong. He can do ladders, but the, the transition the whole, there, the transition is pretty incredible. Like the, the I will say the ladder and the lack the of t- fear. So, um, it's not like a lean on the roof ladder. It's a oh. big step ladder mm. that like basically like the top, like the top step that you're not supposed to step on basically comes to the gutter. Mm. So, I mean, it was, I, I wish I could have seen it. Like I wish I could have seen him get on the roof. I would have been like, crap in my pants i'm glad he made it it was a sketchy situation um i mean you're dealing with broken limbs if I, he falls I scolded off. him but was also proud um so that's the story of my three and a half year old on the roof part two of the story is where's arrow it's in the front yard he shot it over the house really yep in the dirt was it sticking no nope, it hit the concrete what? but yeah one day he couldn't pull it back but the next day then i see it like he, then i'm like dude show me he's getting her He's, he's pulling it way back past his face because it's a length thing. It's not a weight thing. Have you? <clears throat> so now then he's sticking in the target super deep. So the last time I was over there, I was like with Ray. I was like pulling it back for her, And I did that with him a couple times. And then I realized that he didn't want me to. And he like, he got it one time. I was like, yeah, it's the length is the issue. Um, but yeah, no, he sent that all the way, probably through the tree. He was going after a bird. He was trying to kill a bird. Good God. I mean, God bless the... 
blackbirds and robins in your guys' yeah. backyard for the next 10 yeah. years because there are. We had a cardinal nest in our uh, one of our plants. and I, after that? No, but I had to watch him very closely because he wanted to take a stick to it. Um, <clears throat> cardinal, call it, cardinal's fine. You've seen the baby. Um, but, yeah, that's my, that's my ridge saga. That was my afternoon lunch. Man. So now I have to hide, I have to hide the bow. Oh, but like I let every time I'm up there, he's playing with it, but otherwise I don't trust him. Cause he's so just, he'll just try to shoot over the house again. Oh yeah. So say, um, say you're shooting your bow with Rich and he turned at you and just shot you right in the middle of the chest. Is it going to hurt a little bit or is it just going to bounce off? Yeah, it, it would bounce off, but it, but it hurt. <laughs> it would definitely bruise. I'm just wondering about Sissy walking around back there, you know, with him. No, that's why the bow's hidden. <clears throat> like, you mean before, like, I discovered that? Yeah. Sure. She was at, she was in, in Threat's way. Um, she looked like a big old doe. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Yep. All right. Well, we can get into the meat and potatoes about this podcast. Um, spot and stock. <clears throat> The reason I wanted to touch base on it is just because I feel like it's such a, people talk about it a lot and there's different things to talk about, but I feel like it's kind of a, um, it's a painfully learned behavior. Like, no, I mean, very few people have successful stocks right out of the gate. I mean, Brian, Fine. if you're seeing successful stocks on social media, make sure like follow people that are like doing legit public land hunting because I think yes. we had this distorted view from outdoor television. Of what, how animals actually act. Yeah. Yeah. Then you see, like if you follow a good group of guys, you see unsuccessful stocks. It's not just the day three dumb along in a buck that paused at 20 yards, yep. you know? Um, when I think about spot and stock starting in the morning, get to my get to where I want to be mm. in the dark, hanging out there for two hours, hour and a half, two hours, till it heats up. Yep. Hopefully, seeing something, and then just being very careful about where you walk. Yep. Taking it slow. If you see something, really like. So the mental picture of where that, that so the thing I wanted to do was like a full, a full day of what we're doing when we spot and stock. Um, so like, let's just, let's just say we're, we're spot and stock in Nebraska where we've done in the sand hills before. Okay. We, the, the deer out there just for sake, they act the that same on private a, and public. They're th both of them are going to wheel extreme, hard. That's like, one it's of, a niche. That's a very hard spot. Yes, hunt. it is. But I want to bring some things up about it. One, um, it, it makes you really, it makes other spot stocks hunts easy. Very easy. Yep. There's, there's just less, you don't have any, like you've got some hills, but that, that's all behind. you have. Nothing all you have is behind. some contour possibly. Um, like specifically sand hills, less game. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, okay, so a day you're waking up and what we're trying to do is get to a, a, the best glassing knob that you can get to some places, um, are better than others. Basically equates to height. 
Like, yes. w- like where's the highest knob you can get to? Yes. And then be able to look multiple directions. But in the sand, some place like the sand hills where it's just a, an ocean of hills, you might be 50 feet higher, mm-hmm. 20 feet higher, and you're like, I can see way more. And like, that's, that's a big difference. Some places where we spawn stock in like South Dakota, um, with just tons of public ground chasing, um, pronghorn. The best thing we could do is put miles on the truck and just cover a bunch of ground. Cause like one spotting knob, you're only going to see so much. Whereas if there's like good road access, you can really cover the ground. Good. So that's like morning game. Say you spot something up. Okay. Um, for instance, say it's, you find a nice buck that you want to go after mile, mile and a half away. For, what's the first thing you're doing? I'm like, I'm on my, I'm on my butt and I see him. Mm-hmm. Um, getting the spotter out probably. Seeing where he beds down. Yep. All glasses focus on that deer. Like if we're hunting together, one of us is looking at the deer, like just nonstop. Just because you have to, you have to be catching that thing where it's at. I would say one of the first things we're doing is one of us is putting a, or both of us is putting potential waypoints on that deer where, like I'm saying, like in the sand hills, it's basically impossible to pin where that deer's at. I mean, it's just cause there's no, there's nothing. It's just, it all looks the same. Yeah. There might be so, a windmill every yep. mile. So that's something that we will definitely do. Um, and then, yeah, that morning hours, we are going to wait until that animal beds down, which is the same in our Western hunts, Idaho. We always wait for them to bed down. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a common theme in the spot and stock realm. So most of the time, you could be glassing and for a few hours in the morning before things really heat up. Um, and then they'll have their first bed still early in the morning. But then once the sun gets really hot, a lot of the times they'll move. I mean... 20 to 200 yards to go to their longer day bed where it might be more comfortable out of the wind, out of the sun, something there. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing that I was wanting to discuss is like absolutely being able to peg where that animal's at because that is the hardest part. And that is the biggest thing that when we take new hunters, they're like, what the crap? how did you just get here? How did you know that animal was there? It's because... You, t- you have to take mental pictures. We had gotten over there too many times and gotten lost and not know where the deer is and you bump it. You have to take so many mental pictures of what's around the deer. I don't care if it's like a few different like grass tufts or a sand, like out in the sand hills, it's like a, just an open sand pit. Or if it's on like the third tallest hill in the area or what direction it is towards the sun. I mean, you have to take so many notes because as soon as you even move 100 yards from where you are, it's just anybody's game. You can get, you can literally get lost. I don't know where it's at. I think it's about knowing roughly how you're going to get there, looking at looking at where you're going to be and what it's going to look like, and trying to picture what it's going to look like from where you're going to be. Yeah, because yep. like. In half a mile, like if you were saying the deer's mile, mile and a half, in half a mile, you're going to be trying to find these same features. Yep. And like, if you kind of know like, okay, that's what I was expecting to see mm-hmm. when I was there. I think one thing is like not <clears throat> taking a picture of where the deer is at, but also taking a note of where you want to get to, to see the deer next. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the times we'll do leapfrog where 
will go 200 yards and be like, hey, once you get on that knob, you could pop up over and find the deer again where it's bed. And then once you get there, let's pick a ne- the next ridge to get up to you. Let's get to that ridge, check it, see if the deer is still there. Just kind of leapfrog until you can get close enough where you're not going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing a huge loop and hoping to come come around close to it. Um, I mean, we've had, you have, you have some, you have one, five, five percent of them work. You have 95% of them not work, whether it's, you actually have a successful stock, but you miss them or the deer just straight up moved. You didn't bump it. It just moved. Something else spooked it. Different hunter, different buck, coyote. Um, but man, at 5% of the time. You pop your head up over that last ridge, and there he is, chewing his cut at 55 yards, and you're like, you've done it right then. There he is. Then what do you do? Then you need you to wait. make decisions as long as fast as you possibly can. And this is where we've been screwed. So one year, I had a big buck. This is buck. where you messed up. This is where I messed up. This is where I should have. This, this is my, in my mind, this is where I should have bagged my Sandhills muley out on the Yeah, that was your moment. I had a big buck at like 60, 55. And he was in a place where I think I could have gotten drawn. It was really close. Like you draw, it, you draw low and then you, you draw just, low and pop up and you just hope that he doesn't see you right away. It was still 50, 50. Like I didn't get there. You'd be but, taking a better shot. Yes. But when I got to there, I saw another buck like closer, smaller, smaller. And I just had two minutes of debating which one I should take. And the wind swirled, and they busted out of there. So it's like, man, making decisions quickly and not like once you're in there, like not assuming bubble. you're gonna have all the time you need. Mm-hmm. You know, like in five seconds, that deer could stand up, and yep. boom, he's gone. And once you're in that bubble, you just need to make very efficient decisions. With Dylan, twenty twenty. We had that deer, so we we did a, like a mile and a half, two mile stock to get to him. Range, it was it was kind of like one of those deals where man, just I I memorized the ground around him, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna sneak over this hill, and hopefully he's right there. I go over the top, scanning left, scanning on the hill, and I just catch a glance to my right of deer rack, and there he is, thirty eight yards. The most beautiful deer I've ever seen in my life out there. You have to be lucky. And he was bedded down. And this was one where me and Dylan, we were literally within 40 yards of him. Just the train worked out. He was facing away and just completely unfazed. And we he were glassing. He's bedded at this He's point? bedded, yep. Dude, I'm taking that bedded shot. Okay, here's the thing. So we were glassing him hard. Glassing him so hard. Just trying to figure out where his limbs were because that can... It's so hard to tell sometimes. And if you hit a back leg or you you... you misinterpret where the shoulder's at and his lung, his vitals could complete, be completely covered by his, his shoulder bone. There's so many features that could just throw you off. And we finally realized that, all right, he was quartered away so hard that, I mean, you had a few, you had two inches of sneaking in there. And so we were like, Hey, let's wait it out. So that's, that's what our, and that, that's what Dylan's decision was. Like you said, I don't know what I would have done. Waiting it out is the mature decision. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's a risky decision, but it's, it's also a mature decision. And I mean, we we were in this in the case where within a few minutes he stood up and just started. It was kind of in that phase of it was starting to get hot, and he was going to move to his longer day bed. I, both of our 
well, I mean, besides your instance, um, that you took too long, like there's like an hour two hour gap between that, that buck's early morning bed yep. and their afternoon. If you can fit in the stock before he gets up for that, you're in the chips. Dude. You are in the chips, but you have to hustle. Yeah. Like that's what made my Idaho. Yep. Cause the day before we were too late. Yep. Got there in time and he had just stood up when I was, well, I always forget 2018, 2018, 2019, 18. So 18 second day of the trip. Thomas and I do a two hour stock to get up to this buck. Just absolute ass kicker of a hike. We get up there to 200 some yards and they're already working back into the trees to bed for their full day. We backed off, we made which a was surprise. very good decision. Yeah. That's unlike us. Like even today I'd want to like go into the trees and just F around with them and bump them out. Haul our butt back to camp. Saw him that night. Saw a deer that night. Saw them doing the same thing in the morning, and we didn't even hesitate. We just loaded up our packs and got over there. And sure enough, we got up there. They were bedded down still. You went around there. He popped up to feed right then, and you made a fantastic shot, which is the last part of your of your spot and stock, which has to be dialed. I mean, that is critical. And I think that's honestly, it's talked about, but it's it's totally under, like, underestimated yeah about how hard it is because your spawn stock it could be two three hours you're wiped you're wiped like you feel exhausted i mean when you're doing it at least when we're doing it it's in the hot sun in september august like that's our spawn stock month in the states we hunt it's it's minimum of high 80s low 90s full sun because we don't have any shade so you're just getting just wrecked um, by the sun you got to eat and drink as much as possible. Um, but you also have to be like, stay very active that whole time. Um, Cause you have to stay tuned in with what's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had, it all comes down to that shot and being able to settle in after all that stuff. Um, successful ones we've had this last, this last fall, I shot a Nebraska buck um, velvet muley. And that was like 40, 50 yard shot, um, quartering away, dropped him. Um, and that was just working, knowing how to work contour, working around the edge of a hill, using that to my advantage and then just making the shot. Your Idaho buck, same thing using the terrain to know where its eyes are, know where its eyes can't see, popping off the shoes. That's a big thing that we do when we're within 60, even, even more than that. Um, we usually drop the pack around a hundred. Um, just try to be as low profile as possible. And then, but man, it is, it does come down to the shot. I think a big thing where spot stocks haven't worked is when you anticipate things, you anticipate where they're going to be and you anticipate that it's only the deer that you can see. We've had a lot of stocks yeah. end where, Oh, more deer popped up where we didn't see, took everything away. They, they moved in an area we didn't expect. And when we popped over the hill, we were looking right and they were left. Keeping an open mind for more deer is a very good point. That's like literally when more than one occasion, when we know we could be within a few hundred yards of a deer, when we're popping up over the hill, literally we take step glass, everything, another step up the hill, glass, everything, another step up the hill, glass, everything. Cause you literally have to catch that deer first. You have to catch an antler tip. You have to catch an in-ear move. If, if you get eyeballs, you're screwed. You're screwed. If they're looking at you, you're screwed. It's just done. You can't, you can't backtrack. 
you should talk about the one you had in South Dakota um, in 21. Deep dish? Wait, was it? No, it was 21 when um, you got underneath them. Remember that that freaking two-hour ordeal and the dough busted you out? Oh, oh, Lord. Talk yeah. about that one. Because sometimes there's no way to go around it. And we had, there was, there was land we couldn't hunt behind them. Yeah, no, there's no, like, getting around them situation with this deer. Um, I think there's two bucks actually around this one, one cedar. So it's very easy to keep track where they're at. Yeah. But literally my only, my only way to them. Like nowadays, I don't know if I'm doing that stock. Like that hurts so bad. Like I was, I basically army crawled 400 yards. Yeah. Four to 500 yards. They were just on like a, the one hill and we were coming at them from below them because that's the only way the public was. No going over the top, really. Like, I literally army crawl, like, in the, like, in five-inch, like, green grass. Yep. Like, at the base like of their a hill. football field. At the base of their hill. <laughs> Turf. Under their nose, like, maybe 40 yards. Mm-hmm. And I had made it. Yep. I was like, this is done. Because as soon as I get around the top of this, yep. they're toast. Yep. But then, doe blows at me. Mm-hmm. She was right at the base of this hill. And it was all it was everything out. My neck was killing me because like you're on your stomach and you're just, I'm looking up the whole time to see that they hadn't moved. Mm-hmm. Like I just have to take breaks to dip my head because it like my neck was killing me so bad. Um, yeah. Just, so it's a time suck. Yeah. Exhausting. Mm-hmm. If you have two people, what sometimes we do with just filming and depends what the, what the, terrain looks like but a lot of the times one of us will stay back and keep a glass on the deer while the other one will stock and you can we can just film from a long ways off or mm-hmm. sometimes it's just over the shoulder type of thing but that's pretty much it you i mean any other big I, notes I, I mean you learn everything you learn new stuff every year um and every year we screw up a little bit but i think we've gotten kind of a lot better at it um think um catching on to patterns being able to cut deer off that's how we killed your idaho buck just knowing where deer want to be um man in the sand hills we just know what kind of things the big bucks like to bed in if we can find a big sandy pit that's where he's at like a little like cove out of the out of the hill yep. he's in there so like that's i mean you just kind of learn the terrain of what the bucks like and um but gosh, if you're just like a, if you're just a solo, I'm going to sit in a tree stand whitetail hunter, man, I think it would do you really good to go out on some public, even spawn stock whitetail. Go, go try to, go try to spawn stock a feeding, feeding whitetail doe from 200 in, put one in the, put one in the heart. I mean, you just learn things. You learn things really, really good that can adapt to everything. Turkey hunting, everything. Just being stealthy, knowing knowing when you can move. Reading, I think that more than anything is reading deer behaviors, just like body language. It's huge. You can tell oh, when yeah, they're going to giddy time. up, and you can tell when they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Those South Dakota bucks that we, you were just talking about, I could tell a couple times that they were sleeping. I was like, go, 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 go. They literally shut their eyes. One of them would put their head down. Um, they also re- repositioned a couple times. Yeah, they just get up, stretch, go back down. Yep. Um, 
but gosh, it is fun. And the seasons open up sometimes earlier, you know, that's, that's really why what we do in September, a lot of that. So, <clears throat> but we could segue here about 30 minutes into the pod and anything else you want to get into with that? No, I think that's good. Um, if you want to see some spawn stock hunts, you should go to our YouTube because we've got a handful of them. Speaking of YouTube, we just dropped our 2022 elk hunt public land. Not going to state burn Colorado. Um, man, the best elk hunt we've ever had. Period. It was a mixture of timing. It was a mixture of grit. It was a mixture of a lot of elk. Um, yeah, that that's that's our newest video up on our YouTube, and it was it was a grind, but it was it was the bomb. And so, if you've seen it, you can you can play along with this podcast. If you haven't, pause it right now. I don't want you to listen to another word. Go watch that. Skip through it as much as you want, and come back and listen. We did a We're lot. Go through we did it. a lot of things really right. And just a couple of mistakes, you know. <clears throat> Our hunt dates were September, I think, like 25th to the end of the season-ish, somewhere in there. And we had never hunted the last week of September. Um, but we were like, heck, the schedule allows. Let's do it. Got there. Um, I, I say one of the reasons why this was successful is the grit. And we just decided just we're going to spike camp it. We we grabbed our, our golly, Absaroka, our packs, filled them up with gastronome, um, grabbed the bow camera gear and just huffed it up there. Yep. Got, got the water purifier kit, which was from American Red Cross, right? Yeah. The kill was running about that. It's a little, little, little did wand. You, did, I, did you like that one? <clears throat> I thought it was fine. It was just the filter. Yeah. Didn't filter. So I don't know if we want to, but we didn't. We survived. It's killing stuff. It'd be nicer to have a cleaner stream because there's yeah. so much crap in there. Yeah. But that's kind of the, the setting. I mean, we had pretty good weather most days and some rain, rain most afternoons, middays um, that we'd get in the tent for. But gosh, just kind of looking back, we kind of want to just go through highs and lows of that trip. Things that we want to adjust for this next year. Um, things we just did right. Just didn't get the luck possibly on our side. Up until... This last year, we had elk hunts where we'd hunt for an entire week and not see an elk. Which is rough. So. Likely, if you've hunted elk before, you can relate a little bit. We've had a lot of, like, I mean, this was our fifth or sixth year elk hunting. Right? Mm-hmm. So we've had elk time, but we haven't had close encounters. You know? So. This year, or this last year, was kind of like our first time where we actually played the game. And we had those. I mean, we've had, like, we've had one-offs a few years where we just got lucky and called in a bull or whatever. Had some elk close, but... No, I mean... That we did it repeatedly. every year. We broke a we code. Had a, we had a, had a bull within 40. Yeah. You know, I can think of almost every year we had a bull within 40. This year, so first night we get up to our, our, our spike camp. We go into a valley that we've sat before, and it's got a wallow. We get we, we hear a bull bugling, which is just the greatest sound to go through the earth. 
is is sitting in the meadow waiting for something and just like mm, just just like all right let's go um and that bull man we got we got into 60 yards had a bunch of cows busted it up just the cows just blew it tom blames that one on me um that i think it was you. a mixture of lack of communication because i didn't know where the elk were he knew where the elk were i was looking at him um big bull didn't work out but the thing, what worked out with that hunt? Um, we were aggressive. Um, I don't know. We just stayed on them. Um, those are, that was those, our first successful from, from, dog. From the first bugle we heard, like we worked at least another mile and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first time where we didn't let distance intimidate us. We just like, let's close it. Let's close it. Let's close it. Is he, is he maybe backing off? I don't care. Let's just go in his direction. Just keep closing. Keep closing. And finally, he turned and played the what game. What are like, one mistake that kept getting, kept screwing us up is elevation. Yep. Where to be at, where he's at. Both times. We were under. Both times with big bulls, we were above him. And they were below us, and thermals had just switched yeah. to dropping. Yeah. And that screwed us both times. Mm-hmm. We're on his elevation, dude. With the, both those bulls, we're getting. He's coming in closer, and we're getting a shot. Yep. You know, but when they can look up at you, smell you, it's done. That's. I think that's something that we gotta really pay attention to for our whitetail base audience. Thermals. I mean, it's just your basically the wind of going ba- basing it off of the sun and what it's doing. So, thermals are going one way when the sun's rising, and then when it gets hot, it's doing something. And then when the sun starts to set. They start to drop. Drop in morning and evening. Drop in the cool air, rising with the warm air. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to play where you're going to go based on that. So in the morning, when we're gaining elevation, the thermals are still dropping. We're like, we want to get to a certain place where we might just be underneath them. And as soon as the thermals start to rise, you know, um, we can just be on their same topo, hopefully. Um, but in the evenings, that switch is often like during the best hunting. So it's like, man, your thermals might might be rising still, but then you could be getting close to a bowl that's right at your elevation or just slightly below, and then sun starts to drop, and the thermals can switch on a dime and just screw like it up. You got like you went onto the other side of the hill. Yeah, that was our case too. Yep, just topo With can change where they're going. Yep. Yeah, so w- the air is just different temperatures in different areas, um, and that's that's tough, but. The thing that I worked out with that was that we were aggressive. I remember we were getting back to camp and we were just talking like we like we definitely figured something new out that first night that we hadn't experienced yet. Mm-hmm. We in years past we had had bulls bugling at us that we just didn't work always. Which I'm like, what? Because I think our perception of how far they were was just out of whack. I think I could think of a time with my brother in law Tommy. He was one of our new hunters in 2020 and we had a bull hitting and he was pretty close, pretty close, pretty close. And then just on top of the mountain and we got to where he was and just fresh elk poop everywhere. So I was like, okay, this is where he used to call into us originally. He rounded up the cows and went up another few hundred yards, like half a mile up a pretty steep mountain. And we were just like, yeah, let's, let's, let's call it. Let's go back. 
get on that dude. Like, I just didn't know. I was like, man, I just don't know if you can ever catch up to him. In my mind, I just think they keep going, but they, they, they get to where they're safe. and Then they chill out. So you just got to do putting the work, get up to where they are again. And he might come in, he might round him up again and go up another round, but eventually he's going to turn. You just have to be like, yeah, dude, people make fun of Cam Haynes for, for doing what he does. But dang, if you can run after those elk and be in the best shape possible, but you're, you are going to be still, so much more successful. You're not, you're not on their butt. Like you're, no, behind you're, not. Him. Oh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely behind him. him. And like, yep. I think that's one thing like during Remy's podcast or Cam, it's like, he, they act they make, like they're they, like chasing yeah. him down. No, you're also a half mile behind him, mm-hmm. but you're a human. Yeah. If you watch an elk move a landscape, you're not going to compare ever. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like, just even if it takes you an hour to get where they just moved in 15 minutes, fresh matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're going to be in that area. And if he's feeling like your competition, he's going to come find you. So that was kind of, that was breakthrough. Definitely. Number one. I mean, next morning we have, um, an encounter in a valley, both some cows. That was also, that could have been the same bull for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he was but, bugling like before the sun was up, which yeah. is just a gift to mankind. Yeah. But, um, a real encounter was in the dark woods. Um, mid mid morning, mid morning. So our thermals had switched. They were going up. We were above them. It was perfect. I mean, we play the thermals perfect, but our, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I, like, that's just, I don't blame that situation on us there. Like, um, it, this bull came up to us 15 yards and, um, I just didn't have a shot opportunity and he was on, like all of a sudden, like we're hearing him coming up and, um, I don't know. There's not like in that timber, there's not like a, Oh, move, move a slight bit to your left or your right. And you're, you're in an open lane. It's, um, yep. you kind of look around for one and you're gifted with what you get. And I just, I didn't have that. I, um, I, I think back about that shot opportunity cause I, I was full draw at him. Nothing was like steps like, away. You needed to move like 10 or 15 yards to get a shot yeah. at him. Yeah. He like, I don't know. He was 12, 15 yards in front of me. And I oftentimes like think about, Oh, I should just punch an arrow through. But I think my mind is making like gap, like, Oh, there were gaps. There weren't gaps. Mm -mm. Like I could see a brow tine dude. And those dead pines, your arrow's not making it two feet through those things. You know, if you hit one limb, you're it's done. Yeah. I just like, I got to give them, I got to remind myself like, no, like if there was a gap, you would have taken it. Mm -hmm. Like, you're making up gaps in your head now because you've thought about this situation over and over and over. Um, but yeah, but that dude, we, it was the same thing. We heard ruckus. We just, and he definitely kept moving off. Like we mm-hmm. definitely were chasing and then he turned Until we got into and we were hearing cows. <laughs> and then finally we, yeah, we got into his bubble and I remember seeing him through the timber at like 60 yards and he, did the close like, bugle yeah it's like when a gob just bow, just like right on top of you it just like sounds like a different tone you you could like hear his like lungs expanding he was so close and man you not not a big not a big bull but oh but man. just yeah i don't the care. closest encounter we've ever had yeah and it was still five. like i don't know if we did if you you might have bugled at him after he did that little thing or we did some cow calls and he just turned straight i mean straight to us and just started walking. I'm just like, 
whenever I don't care if it's a whitetail or a turkey, you hit them with a call and they just meet like straight at you and their steps are just in line. Yeah. You're like, this dude's going to come in. Mm-hmm. That's where he was at. And gosh, yeah, not a whole lot you can do. We were just both dead still hoping he would just take a left or a right. And he didn't just straight just looking around. Didn't, didn't see anything more. like that's a place where our wind was money. Wind was money. It was rising. It was like yeah. late morning. So he would have never, never would have caught our wind. It just was like, we're like the cows, the animals that were talking it's too still. Yeah. I don't know. Like could have seen something, but I don't know. And, all, and like, again, outdoor television, like some of these guys are shooting elk and they're not even hidden. They're like their mm-hmm. own tree. Yeah. Like, dude, like these elk are like, if you're not in good cover, like they're in my mm-hmm. mind, like they're, they'll see us. We got busted. Oh, and cows, cows are yeah. all over us several yeah. times. Um, but it like absolutely be more aggressive than if you're in the whitetail woods. Like, yep. And aggression in noise for sure. And distance, like we, we were making way more noise this year than we ever have, which coming from whitetail woods is like so difficult to do, but man, we're breaking stuff. We're, I mean, we're being loud when we're getting we're, we're, like, we're within a hundred yards of these elk. We're still being loud. Yeah. And we had them commit, you know, um, I would say we worked our cow call harder than we ever have this year. Um, we just did that a lot more, just walking around and just our evening setups. It was almost like, like doing some Turkey calls in the, like in the evening, just like we're hitting them every 20, 30 minutes with some, some talking. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's why we had that bull come in that one evening, um, in the rain. Yeah. I mean, people can obviously watch the episode we had, we had, gosh, I mean, I was thinking about it. We, I mean, I saw like five or six bulls, Yeah, you know? Shot at one, um, had two other ones that should have happened. Like that we had almost happened. Several small bulls, like just just five by fives, but we had like two at least, like big six bys, maybe three. Yeah, like maybe three hundred. Yeah, like very large. Um, painful for sure. The one that the one that really sticks in my mind, which I didn't get on footage. I, I apologize to the public. Um, I want to try to do better about that. Like, dude, it's so hard. Oh, no, I, I understand. Most of the time. It's very hard, but. Most of the time, it's a lens I issue. No, I think it's a getting, just being really on my butt. Because I, I saw it's a camera so issue. much more time, so, so yeah. much more. It's a camera issue because I'm, I'm thinking photo, video all the time, interview all the time, audio, which one I have audio on, and I just didn't have, when that big bull appeared for the two seconds I saw, I had my 5D instead of the 200 on there. And, uh, but that was the biggest bull I've ever seen. And he was walking to us at 40 yards right on the line. I will never forget it. Just like, imagine this top of top of the elk head, like small bulls. They kind of look like a pizza. Like their, their antlers kind of go out sh- like straight from their head, like a V this bull had like a U like, yeah. It, from its head, it's like a big buck. From its head, it went out and then up instead of just going straight up from its head. Just heavy, like yeah, white, white tipped. Yeah, I remember seeing him just kind of turning. Yep. And I was like, oh my lord. That is a giant bull. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the same thing. We kept dogging him and he broke. He, le- he left his he had cows. cows. Yeah, he had cows. He left his cows and he broke towards us. And so. 
man, the best thing we did was just aggression, 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 staying that, in. That was just another, we were 20 yards too high, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, yeah. That's pretty much it. So we'll keep, we're going at a different time um, this September, hopefully. But I think there's definitely some learning things of just the weather or the wind is your greatest ally and your biggest adversary. I mean, that it, it, it make or breaks you. Being dialed with the bow, still having that, that aggressive mentality. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about it in the last podcast, so we really don't need to be a dead horse, but like you're going to have, like whether you're a really shitty hunter or you're really good, you're going to have encounters. Yeah. Like that's just how it is with wild animals. And you might like, whether you have a lot or a few, like you better make it happen. Yeah. When it happens, you know, so have the bow dialed. That That's still my number one out of all the tips we've given, like forget all those things, but like be able to hard punch a target at a hundred yards, you know, Yep. Understand, like when you're with a wild animal, it is gonna like you're. It's gonna be a completely different shot. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know what you need to do to get ready for that, get your mind right. But yeah, um, at the end of the day, that's like number one. Yeah. So right now, first week of July, better be shooting your bow. Better get it dialed up. I know I need to be putting more reps through my bow. Um, speaking of bows, we. Got something new from the old bear archery this week. Pretty excited to set it up. Mm-hmm. But um, Thomas and I were just talking how we want to get those puppies set up before we have our a family um, vacation um, that we always go to. And we'd love to be able to shoot them out there. So, man, be putting in the reps big time because eventually you're going to be coming over that knob. and He's going to be there. Just depends if you're going to put it on them or not. Yep. So. All right. Anything else you want to cover? We, uh, we're doing a new podcast series. And it's going to be banger. It's going to be on YouTube as well. Um, some great guests. We'll explain it more when we're, when we're on it, but it's something that will be good for the most experienced hunters in the industry and somebody that's just picking it up. Um, and honestly, we're going to need to use some, uh, some of you guys' help. Folks that uh, listen to us, watch us, because we're going to get some public input. That is going to be really awesome. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Uh, maybe we'll, might be talking about it on the next one. Yeah, I think so. Got a whole, we should hit some of the guests, Tom. Who are we going to have on? Clay Newcomb. Yep. Mark Kenyon. Sam Soholt. Eric Barber. That's just a little tease. Definitely a few others. Yep. Some big hitters to start us out. Maybe Bundy. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening. You guys have a have a great rest of the week and we'll catch you later.